Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. In this episode of the Business Creators Radio Show, we are going to show you how to be fit to succeed. Now, you may be thinking, is this about exercise? Is this about weight loss? Is this about dietary? Is this about getting more sleep? And candidly, we do have episodes like that on the Business Creators Radio Show. It's one of the tracks we run. What we mean by fit is freedom, influence, transformation that unleashes your personal and professional power. We have a lot of things we're going to cover today, and we are going to be moving pretty fast. So I'm going to advise you, subscribe to the Business Creators Radio Show, to your favorite syndication network, so you can go back and listen to this one again, and have a pad of paper and two pens in front of you to capture those aha moments. Our guest today is Dr. Phil. I kid you not, it's Dr. Phil. Dr. Philip Agrios, a friend of mine from here in Las Vegas. Um, I believe he's here in Las Vegas. I know he visits here often. I've met him here several times. He was, among other things, the winner, number one, of the ultimate speaker competition in Las Vegas held in December 2020. He's somebody I've really been looking forward to having on this show. He has some great stuff for you. Let me just tell you a little bit about him. Dr. Phil Bagrios is a sought-after top performance specialist, best-selling author, and speaker. He has over three decades of experience helping clients to lead their own professional and personal lives and achieve their ultimate success. His own life and health challenges from disabling health conditions which caused him to close his practice to financial ruin prompted him to combine his life experience and clinical research of thousands of people from all walks of life and ages and develop the FIT system, Be Fit to Succeed. It gives you the freedom, the influence, and the transformational skills influential leaders, effective decision makers, and high-impact performers use to positively affect the world around them. And in today's episode, he's going to show you a few things about how to unblock a hidden inborn trait that is the secret to wealth, health, and happiness. Dr. Philip Agrios, come on in. The weather's fine. Hello, Adam. Great to be here. And no, I'm from Jersey. <laughs> Yeah, I've been to Jersey several times. Uh, what part? What part? I uh, uh, one of my best friends from college lives in the Freehold area. Oh yeah, um, I originally uh, grew up in Long Branch. I practiced in Ocean Township, so I was I was on the um, shore basically. And uh, yeah, Freehold's about thirty minutes from me. Yeah, I've been down to that shore a few times. As I said, one of my best friends from college, when I used to live in Pennsylvania, I drove out there several times a year. I love it down there by the shore. You've got a great state and. I hope one day to visit there again, but Las Vegas is keeping me real busy these days. <laughs> oh, definitely. 
So we have a number of things to cover business and personal. And as I mentioned to our listeners, this is going to be a little bit free flowing. So uh, first of all, what I want to do is just get a little bit more about your personal story. I read off your bio. It gives the outline. But we like to do on Business Creators Radio is just have you tell us in your own words a bit more about what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Well, basically, um, it kind of all started back in the late 80s. Uh, yeah, I'm going back that far. Um, and uh, I remember waking up one morning and it was kind of really dark and, you know, you just couldn't sleep at all. And I right. went in and I was going through my desk and found my old goals from five years prior. And I was all pumped and ready to read them off and, you know, say, yeah, I picked that one. And I uh, realized that by the end of the time I, I looked at it, I didn't achieve just not one of them. And I felt like kind of devastated and like, what the heck? You know, I was listening all to the top gurus, right? Had all the cassette tape programs and all that stuff. And, and basically um, something just deep down said, you're not being taught something. And I decided at that moment to go out and look for it. Had no idea how, but I just went through it. And one of the things I tell clients is that when you are looking for something that's kind of like no one else is looking for, you're going to get, you're going to get, events, very stressful events to kind of break you down before you kind of evolve, right? So I always call it, you you rather evolve or you dissolve. It's either one, both are uh, beneficial at the time and both may be detrimental at the time. It all depends on how you want to look at it, right? So during that process, I was going through it over a couple of years, I was able to discover a protective trait that we're all born with. And I called it the inborn sabotage trait. Not that it undermines us, but it actually it actually protects us from the very success that we seek because that success is actually subconsciously more painful than us uh, changing our present-day ineffective behaviors. And when I first found this, I was on my living room floor and I was like, wait a minute, this thing is causing all my problems presently. It's causing every problem throughout my entire life, even down to childhood. And now I can predict my future that when I am in uh, stress, this is protecting me. I'm like, this is way too simple. My reputation is too important. There's no way. So I went out to try to disprove it. And over thousands of people, over 30 years, I couldn't. And I really basically realized that the protective trait was just the reason for our blocks. It wasn't because, you know, you're, it, I was a stupid idiot because I couldn't uh, get my goals. It wasn't that you're not enough of this or not enough of that. It's, it's just because your body's protecting yourself. And once people understand that this freedom comes over them, and once they realize that, they realize that there's only two things that happen. We protect or we grow right? We expand and contract, give and take. That's all we are. We're vibrational beings. And during the whole process, I was able to discover a combination to turn off the inborn sabotage trait instantly. And it worked hundred percent of the time. Now, I always joke when I tell people the story, because I say, you know, when someone tells you that something works hundred percent of the time, what should you do? run right <laughs> so, yes. so i was like okay i gotta prove this and what i the only thing i re- realized that worked 100 percent of the time was the law and i was actually that's why my book is called life's one law is a law i discovered and during the process when people actually utilized the antidote this influence would come over them that would emanate to other people that would cause them to take the action necessary to connect and create the transformation that they were looking for within themselves so they can unleash their own personal and professional power. 
So here are two things what happens when you unleash your personal or professional power. As you start to unleash it, if you feel uncomfortable, bam, your inborn sabotage and trait kicks in to protect you. Or as you start to expand and you start grow, 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 you're going to get to a point where you're uncomfortable and bam, it will take into an effect into protection. So what's really cool, once you understand your saboteur, and then once you understand the antidote, you can go from protection to growth instantly, and we see it all the time. Wow. See, I want to latch on to something that you said about how this trait actually sabotages you and how success is scary. You A few weeks ago, you graciously attended the recording session of an on-demand training I have on how I use technology to maximize my productivity and effectively communicate with as many people as possible and maintain large amounts of space to myself. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, part of that was that I basically alternate days. One day is a productivity day, the next day is a communication day, and so on and so forth and so on and so forth, with occasional days where I just shut everything off and basically sign out from the world. If it's nice outside, I go take an eight-hour walk. Otherwise, I usually don't even leave my place. I implemented that about two months ago when my business really started taking off, when the podcast reach system got legs under it, we started getting our VIP clients and we went back into growth mode on in-demand expert. And I'm going to tell you, Phil, when I actually found myself in a place where I was having the eight hours where I just stack calls and banged them out, followed by the day where I had all day to just kick ass and get stuff done, that scared the hell out of me. <laughs> yep. Well, the reason is that there's three reasons that I found that actually kick in your inborn sabotage trait. The first one is that you actually get, in the past, you've actually got to be very successful and you lost it. That if you actually got to that point again and lost it again, it would then cause more pain. So you never get to that point. So I had a, a person one time talking to him and he had a $10 million idea that he shelved. So my first question was, when do you lose your first million? He goes, how'd you know that? I said, if I had a $10 million idea, I wouldn't have shelved it. He goes, well, I did uh, lose a million dollars. And for five months, I was on my sister's couch, uh, homeless. And, but I got myself going and things started to go again. I said, cool. I said, when'd you lose your second million? He goes, how'd you know that? I said, same reason. He goes, well, I had made a $750,000 investment and some guy took it. I said, you understand that if you ever reach a $10 million profit, you have 10 times more pain and it was just complete silence. And he realized that it would be actually more painful subconsciously to get to that point because he wasn't managing his money well. It's the same thing with relationships. Oh, you know, I met the person in my life and he destroyed my life or she did, right? So yep. they'll never get to that point of love and they'll always will find people that are subpar to what they're looking for because it's actually more painful to reach that love than keep subpar. The second part is that I have to do what to do what I got to go to. I have to um, get an education. I got to read this book. I have to listen to Adam's podcast. I have to listen to Agrios's online course. I got to take a yes. look. What? <laughs> I got to do all of this. Look, man, look, there is this great, new uh, 
uh, series on Netflix, man, everybody's talking about. So you know what? After this, I promise you, I'll um, I'll I'll start on your book. Yeah, that's not gonna, that's going to happen. So the pain of actually going through and doing what needs to be done to be successful, that's the second part. The third one is I've had many people go to me, you know, I want to double my business. I want to double my practice. And I go, no, you don't. I mean, what do you mean? I said, if you wanted to double your practice, you would have done it already. It's actually more painful because if you doubled your practice, if you increased your, think about it, your listeners right now, if you increased and doubled your business right now, 99% of the time, you guys would not be able to handle it. Now you're never going to see your family. You're never going to see uh, the, the light of day. You're going to be even more stressed. That's why those days when you have a really great month and then the second month it's lousy because you weren't ready for the growth. You didn't have systems in place. It wasn't automated. Your employees weren't ready, this whole thing. So you know, what I do is I make sure some clients, I even tell them, no, you're not marketing. There's no way because you increase your marketing, you're not going to give great service. So you have to make sure let's get the foundation going. So those are the three reasons that I find that the saboteur kicks in to protect you. It was very visceral to me when I actually was able to implement that system. I had designed months in advance and was at the point where I was actually doing it. The That first Tuesday that I had all to myself with a big project and two little ones on a plate and more than enough time to get them done, do them very well and be done in time for dinner. You would have thought I was Ralph Crampton, humming, 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 humming. You had no excuse. It was there. There was no no obstruction to do it. It was all straightforward, right? Yeah. And then yeah. actually getting it done and actually being more uh, successful would all depending on which saboteur you are that would cause the uh, the resistance in you. But as soon as you're resistant, as soon as you feel stress, you are no longer balanced. You are now in a resistance of protection. That's what it is. I can't make it any simpler. It's that. And that's why it took me 30 years to go through this and make sure, is this really true? Yeah. You know, I myself, I'm 44 years old myself, and I've had quite a journey. I've alluded to pieces of it in various episodes here of the Business Creators Radio Show. And time and time again, we return to the theme of our childhood and our family. Now, I think my family are wonderful people. And I also have learned and I discuss this with them. So if they're tuning in, this is nothing new. <laughs> uh, I recognize that at the time they did the best they could based the on what they, they knew with the resources <laughs> they have, the yep. circle of influence they had and the level of information they had access to, which candidly, was extremely limited. And I've also done a lot of work and I had the benefit of having a client for two years who does this type of work with patterning and how things get passed through generations where you may be having a debate or an argument with your husband, wife, significant other, best friend or what have you. And that is actually the same argument that your great grandparents had. Mm hmm. Because yeah, it just patterns through and it keeps cycling and recognizing those patterns and cycles and figuring out how to, for lack of a better phrase, break the cycle. And I'd like to get your thoughts on that. So basically, I tell people, everybody in your outside world is you. The person that you can't stand and hate the most is the part of you that you can't stand and hate the most. They're just showing up to show you. And when you have that thought process, and I can prove this over and over again, I see it every day with my clients, myself, my family, and everything else. 
And once you understand that and you can focus on the part of you, as you change, then your outside world changes. But here's the key. As you start actually valuing yourself or getting more organized or actually expressing your thoughts and feelings, your brain freaks out because it's uncomfortable, right? It's so used to not doing those things, depending on what uncomfortable is. But when you go, no, I'm going to do this. Thank you for the opportunity. Then you've got a brain and the universe kind of goes, okay, yeah, that's just a fluke. So another situation comes in and you go, no, I'm serious. I don't want to do this anymore. I, this no longer serves me. This serves me. And then the third one, a fourth one, all of a sudden your brain starts getting comfortable and everything else. And now People, things, and events come in to reinforce your new vibration. Happens all the time. I just saw it with a client this morning. Wow. So we're going to bounce back and forth between the personal and the business here for a minute. And going back to how we raise our children, how we were raised. And there's a point that you brought up in our green room conversation I thought was so brilliant. I said, hold that, hold that, hold that. We're going to cover this in the interview. This is going to be fantastic. You discussed earlier the inborn sabotaging trait. So first of all, how do parents even recognize uh, their child's inborn sabotaging trait and why is it important they should know it? So they can go onto my website. I've created a nine question quiz. Okay. Uh, very different than all the other personality tests with our like 80, 90, 253,000 <laughs> questions, mm. right? And then you get this and this and this and all this other thing. It's just nine questions. You get the inborn sabotage trait and the antidote for free. Because once you understand this is how you protect yourself, I'm the only one that has a personality test that actually comes up with a solution. So first, you always want to do yourself first. You always want to see what's going on with you. And once you understand that, I've had clients have their spouse and their children take it and see how they understand and why that person is doing what they're doing. And that's why I teach my clients. I said, there's no judgment. The reason why you should not judge anyone is because they have a sabotaging trait. And the only reason why you are judging them is because their sabotaging trait is your strength. So for instance, let's say one of the sabotaging traits, there's only three. There are three sabotaging traits over seven and a half billion people. There are only three. Okay. And so one of us is the communicator saboteur. A person doesn't talk that well, that, you know, they listen a lot, um, but they don't express themselves. They over-process things. People you know, are just kind of looking at them going, can you kind of talk to me what's going on? I mean, they don't want to seem stupid and they kind of pull back. So they don't confront too well. But if I have a person who's too much of a communicator kind of overly communicates, they're going to go like, just talk to me. What's wrong with you? Just open your mouth. You stupid or something, right? Or if I have the other saboteur, which is the director, that person's scattered. They're all over the place. They get 99% done with a project and they do something else. They don't, they like to wing things. They don't like to be told what to do. Not really responsible enough. And then what happens is you can get someone who is now overly responsible, go, what's wrong with you? Just make a list. Are you that dumb? Right? So that person can judge them. The third one is the person that who overly gives, who overly supplies. So they're called a supplier saboteur, where they have a hard time saying no. People take advantage of their kindness because the saboteur, that saboteur doesn't understand the difference between self-nourishment and selfishness. So they're always giving to other people. And people that can take for themselves kind of look at them and say, what's wrong with you? Just say no. So depending on what your saboteur is, 
that person can judge you and you can judge the other person. But once you understand why the person's doing it through their saboteur and the teachings I have, I've seen tremendous shifts in families and businesses and companies. For instance, I was doing my workshop. I do a workshop that shows that uh, how business owners and uh, executives and the uh, employees actually subconsciously sabotage the business. And really quick on a side note, each business has its own sabotage and trade and antidote. So I show them how the employees use their antidote to the business's antidote to get it shifted. So the guy comes up to me and goes, you know, my son's always upstairs playing video games. I can't get him down to interact with the family. So I asked him a couple of questions, ascertained his son's sabotaging trait, gave him a more in-depth antidote. Within less than a week, his son was downstairs enacting more with the family. And then in two months, their relationship skyrocketed because wow. he realized that through his own sabotage trade, he was actually demeaning his child and pushing him away. That's why he was constantly upstairs in the room. And once he used his antidote to his child's antidote, there's a shift that happened. I see this all the time, marriages, business partners, children. I've had children go to their mothers going... Where's my mother? Where's the one that's not screaming anymore? Because now she realized is that once she understood this kid's the director saboteur, he's all over the place. He needs this. He doesn't need punishment. He needs to be understood how to organize and things like that, or another child who's a supplier or everything else like that. And once they understand that this, this conflict helps to get uh, neutralized very quickly and, and synergistic things that happen within the company and the family happen really well. Yeah. And I, and again, it's my belief that a lot of the patterns we repeat in business relationships start with the family. So two things came to mind. And again, uh, if my beloved aunt is listening to this, like she usually does, you can tell my mom this, and I've already told my mother this. Okay. So you're not breaking any you know, circles here. Uh, two, two items, two items. I recall, when I got to the point where I transitioned my business from being a side hustle to that thing that I did full time back in September 2005, when I jumped full in, full bore, all in entrepreneurship. Now, up until that time, after I finished my MBA at Duquesne University, I still lived in my parents' house for two more years. The reason being is I was growing this business, I was dedicated to having a full-time business to be an entrepreneur rather than a paycheck dweller. At the same time, I was using most of the paycheck for my job to reinvest to grow the business. Plus, I didn't want to have to deal with maintaining my own place. I mean, as far as me living in my parents' house, I was at my job uh, nine hours a day. Then I went to the gym. Then I went to the cigar shop. Then I came home and, uh, Usually, I'd be upstairs on the second floor in my home office working on the business. I was very little of a drain on them financially or in terms of much of anything I need for them. I even, to a certain degree, I fed myself because I didn't want them to hold up dinner for me. So there was this two-month period between me becoming an entrepreneur full-time versus the next layer, which is, okay, now I got the business. Time to move out and get an apartment. That was part of the plan. Took me 60 days to do it, which was also part of the plan. And during those 60 days, I had one thing come up that, well, there are several things, but here's one that really jumps out at me. My grandfather lived next door to my parents, God rest his soul. And he was one of those people that always needed help with his cable remote. So 
while I'm in the middle of helping my first clients with their book launch, my mother wants me to drop everything and go over and help Pat program his cable remote for the 20th time. So it occurred to me to ask her a question. I, I asked her if I was still working for the managed care company and Pap needed his cable remote programmed, what would you do if you didn't know how to help him? Well, she said, well, yeah, would call the cable company. That's kind of what you need to do now mm-hmm. because I cannot, I cannot move away from this to help him with that. Not that I don't want him to have his cable, not that I don't want to be a good grandson, but you did it for 27 years without me being around. You're going to have to do it one more time. Absolutely. And then there's the other piece is, uh, as you probably guessed from attending my training, I take a premium on not sitting around and waiting for things too long. So families have holiday dinners. If they say dinner's at four o'clock, I'm going to want to show up at like 355. The reason being is being as introverted as I am. And you saw my own introvert chart and how I had to make a new category just for me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Leading with the dinner is great because then I don't really have to communicate with a lot of people. It gives me that space to acclimate myself to the room, to the environment, and to the collection of people within it so that when it became the social hour, I was prepared for that. So I get there at five to four and I find out that they've just started preparing the meals and some of the people who were bringing stuff said, no, I'm not even going to get there till five. And my mother would particularly say, well, you can just talk. And I said, no, I can't. I wanted dinner at four o'clock. But and then I was told by several people, but come on, it's family. And my view on that is, yeah, it is family. And if I'm having my family over to my place and I tell them dinner's at four o'clock, I'm going to respect the fact that uh, they may be planning other things around that. And there's going to be food waiting for them when they get there at four o'clock. That's just me. So what I saw there was a bit of a push and pull thing going on that basically amounted to it's different when it's family. Mm -hmm. And I then saw that translate over to my business. This is where I'm going with this where I would find myself being overly accommodating of clients Mm -hmm. to the point it was actually to their detriment. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I talk to my clients all about this because I ask them one question. I go, if you talked to your clients the way you talked with your family, would you have any clients? And 99% of the time it's no. And the reason why you are able to talk to your family the way you do and not your clients, because there's no consequence majority of times. Right. Right. So if, if I yell at my kids, because whatever the case may be, and not talk to them was in, you know, hey, these kids have only been on earth for five years or 20 years, or whatever the case may be, and I'm here for much longer. I'm not getting my stuff together. Why would I think they are? And I'm not even teaching them. Right. So. One of the reasons is that we feel that family can, um, because of no consequence, because no one's leaving us. But when you start leaving other people and start getting rid of them, I know a client one time that kind of basically said, you know, we take abuse from our family. But if I had a friend that did the same thing to me, I wouldn't be friends with them. And I said, absolutely. You don't have to be, because they're blood family, you don't have to associate yourself with them. 
If they're right. not respecting you, then they're not really there to help evolve you. They're there to continue to keep you at bay. Would that does that resonate? Oh, yes, it certainly does. And if I go two levels up my maternal line, uh, I discover that even before I was born, that relatives had this vision that I was going to be a surgeon, that I was going to be a student athlete, and that I was going to intentionally marry a rich, a rich woman for her money. So meanwhile, I'm about, so meanwhile, the extent of my athleticism is bowling and I'm actually pretty good at it. Mm -hmm. I have extreme trypanophobia. So practicing medicine is all the question. And, uh, I didn't get along too well with the rich girls in school. Well, there you go. So So funny. I was the exact opposite of their expectations. And boy, did I hear about it? Well, here's the thing too. A lot of times the people that we love that are close to destroy us more than anybody. Yeah. Because like, oh, you're going to do that. Oh, I wouldn't do that. Oh, no. you. Oh, I've done that before. It doesn't work out. What they're basically saying is, is that they're projecting their own fears upon you. Their basic saying is, I wouldn't do that. So there's no way you should do that. Yeah. And if you look at it in that way then you should look at these people and go, thanks for the opportunity to hear your viewpoint, but I don't agree with it and I'll move on. Don't judge them. Don't be upset with them, but they're giving you the opportunity to stay in protection mode or evolve. Remember, every time you're stressed, you're ready to evolve. There is an opportunity. So if you look at anything that is happening to you right now, whether or not you've been through COVID, whether you lost a job or death of a family, anything, that's ready for you to evolve. And if you look at that, it kind of helps you shift your thought process and makes you feel a little bit better. Yeah. One more thing before we move on to the transition to business here that I wanted to bring up. Again, you are bringing up so many things in my mind here, Phil. This is fantastic. Oh, good. After I moved out of my parents' house uh, and got that apartment, I would go back to visit them once a week. And Every time I got there, I would find that they went grocery shopping for me. I did not want them to. I would not accept it. It got right. to the point where they would say, look, we got your groceries. And I would say, well, whatever. I actually said, yeah, whatever. I didn't thank them for it. I didn't accept it. I was trying to send a message I can buy my own damn food. So I came up with an idea of how to convey that message that, yes, I can actually live on my own. That Christmas... I was actually kind of flush with cash that year because uh, business started booming right away. I bought my parents a state-of-the-art computer system. I was supposed to get them gift cards for Home Depot, but I got them a state-of-the-art computer system. And mm-hmm. once they realized with all the little boxes, because I gave it to them in small little pieces <laughs> so that it would eventually occur to them what had happened. I, uh, they said, oh, you, 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 we can't take this. You have to, you have to take it. I said, no, 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 no. You guys wanted a new computer. Your computer's really old and dad's having a hard time using it to do his eBay stuff. So now you got a new computer. You got a nice printer too. Uh, you got a nice monitor and I want you to enjoy this computer. So I, that point I just said to them, see, I hope that I demonstrated that if I can buy you guys a computer for Christmas that I can probably shop for my own groceries and I don't really need your largesse. However, I'd like to make a deal with you going forward. Please don't surprise me and try to take care of me anymore. However, if I ever need anything from you, I will not be shy in asking for it. 
Perfect. And I can think of four separate occasions where I needed for my money for my business and I had no problem at all calling him up and asking him for it. Yeah. And the other side, of, uh, especially with your mom, right? I'm Greek yeah. and Italian. Okay. And I was born and I was uh, raised Catholic. So yes, you know, the too. guilt and everything else. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, was, I went to Catholic school. I was an uh -huh. altar boy. And before I discovered that girls don't have cooties, I was so serious <laughs> about the priesthood that I uh, borrowed a missalette from church, memorized and practiced the mass and played the hymns on my keyboard. Oh, there you go. So, oh, yeah, okay. I was Catholic. <laughs> yeah, so we, we're both winged on guilt, right? And yes. I was able to, to kind of offset that. Um, people can't guilt me anymore. Um, one of the things is not because your mom wanted to guilt you and all that. What I find is, is that that was her identity. Yeah. That if she didn't do that for you, she wasn't a good mom. And when people realize that, especially uh, dad just sounds like he just went along with it <laughs> type of thing. Uh, and, in some ways, he was kind of passive. It's, it's like you're yeah. almost there. And it's like yeah. you, you just with me telling a couple little quick anecdotes, you figured out something that took me 40 years to determine <laughs> yeah. is that my mother is the way she is because she feels that she needs to be that way to be a good mother. And I suspect it's because her own mother was the exact opposite, but uh, I don't want to take up the whole interview on that. Yeah. Well, I'll give you a good example. I had one before I became a consultant. Um, when I went from doctor to, I used to be a, I used to be a chiropractor and a functional medicine practitioner. I used to treat thyroid and autoimmune, autoimmune disease, uh, the sick of the sickest. And I had really high yeah. success rates because I would help people to understand that getting to the health uh, aspect of there was more painful than staying in the disease state. And I remember this one uh, practitioner, she, uh, you know, wasn't, she had a nine-year-old and she wasn't really doing great in her practice. And she had an autoimmune disease. And every time she got stressed, it would flare up. So as we started diving into the business aspect of it, for a long story short, I basically said, do you understand the reason why you're not increasing your practice is because you feel guilty that if you get too busy, you can't be a good mom. And she just looked at me. I said, and she goes, oh my God, you're absolutely right. I said, so here's one of the solutions you need to do. Number one, you and her need to sit down and have a discussion. You kind of not, not to have permission from her, but have permission that, okay, these are the days I'm going to do here. Because you want to teach your, uh, your child to be a empowering woman and things like that, that she can do things on her own and things like that. Within six months, her practice doubled. Because now she didn't feel that she was a horrible mom and that her mom and her grandmother would not look up, look down upon her. That is something. And yeah. that goes, and that goes into the patterning and the cycles and everything else. Yeah, so, because, because if yeah. I can say one more thing, you know, when you have somebody in front of you that, that you never met and they really make you mad, it's not them. It's the thousands of other things throughout your life that they represent. And it's really you. And when you deal with that part of you, that person doesn't get to you. Can I tell you, can I tell you a great uh, story? Please. We love Bu stories. So Buddha, there's a story about Buddha. I heard this way back when. I don't know if it's true, but it sounds like something Buddha would do. So Buddha was in the fields doing his thing. And this guy comes up to, to him and just starts reaming into him for like 15 minutes. And Buddha's just looking at him and he goes, are you done? He goes, yeah, I'm done. He goes, let me ask you a question. If you give me a gift and I don't accept it, whose gift is it? I thought for a minute and says, well, it'd be my gift. 
He said, the gift you just gave me, I don't accept. So therefore it's yours. Is that an awesome stress management technique? The yeah. Only, the only reason Buddha would take that if he felt that he deserved it. And that's what people do. When you are get to the point of your life that you have no regret, I thank God I have no regret because I looked at everything as a benefit. Everything that's ever happened to me, I went through a lot of stuff, that everything was a benefit because I would have never discovered what I discovered without it. And when you can get to that point that knowing it's not personal, it's just that person projecting themselves upon you and going, well, if you don't agree, then go talk to some another teacher. But it's a great technique. So I hope that people, your audience listen to that and start to utilize it. Full disclosure, I knew that one already. Ah, it, yeah, was, so it, was, it, one. it was it was taught to me by my supervisor at my first real job. And this was his way of mentoring me to deal with some of the jerks in senior management at that company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To simply not me- mentally or emotionally except when they acted like the jerks that they basically were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that in itself was so empowering because it allowed me to use a tactic that we see often in social media these days for people who know how to avoid arguments with random trolls is sometimes right. just to say, eh, you're right. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not owning what they're trying to give me and I'm not accepting that gift that they're trying to give me. So it's really no skin off my nose saying, yeah, you're right. Or if they are right, you want to blow them away. Okay, you, go, go ahead. you know what? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I used to be like that and I'm working on it and I'm getting to that point, but you know, but yeah, I'm doing it. But thanks so much for showing me that where I'm at and how much more work I need. That's brilliant. And this is another reason why our listeners need to subscribe and write this stuff down. Yeah. And, and what happens is when you do that, when you're that good with yourself and you can admit and become vulnerable, Ted McGrath, you said one time, vulnerability creates credibility. When you're vulnerable with your clients or with other people and they see what you've gone through, you'll find out who are the ones that wanted to be taught front by you and those one who wants to go after you. And also there's an old saying, the tree that with the most fruit gets the most stones thrown at it. So if yeah. you're getting more and more people attacking you, then you're evolving. Congratulations. That is a brilliant analogy. And it takes me right back to when we had the apple tree in the yard and I couldn't reach some of the apples. So what I do, I threw things at them to get them to fall. Exactly. And usually what was available was stones. <laughs> exactly. I had up a tree in the backyard myself. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're inching toward the workplace. And uh, now let's get there. Whether a person listening is an employer who has W-2 type employees or where they're working with independent contractors or whether they're hiring agencies to work with them to grow their business, some of the same stuff applies. So how can somebody in that situation increase, well, we, you, we use the word employee, but we could also say contractor, resource partner, whatever, by knowing their inborn sabotaging trait and antidote, and how do you get them to thank you for it? So in this case, we don't have the benefit of knowing their family. We uh, can only see certain behaviors, but how do we do it? Well, one of the things people have to realize is that even though you had a, you were abused, let's say as a child, all right, 
and you don't deal with that aspect of it. So you'll bring in an abusive employer. And by actually dealing with the abusive employer, you deal with you, which then you'll be able to deal with the past. So sometimes you don't have to, you know, to me, a lot of times, I mean, I'm not a psychiatrist and not a psychologist. I don't ever go into the past, but by dealing with the present, you can deal with it as well. And one of the things is that I teach is that I've taken a very low performance employer and employee and taken them to a higher level based on their inborn sabotaging trait. And now let me explain why. Usually when you see an employee not doing well, you will now try to support them in the way you think they need to be supported, which is what, but it's really how you need to be supported. And once you understand what they need through the inborn sabotaging trait, you use your antidote to their antidote and this shift on a subconscious level starts to happen. So for instance, um, now I didn't tell you this. I'm just going to throw this out. There are two other traits. <laughs> I usually don't say too much, but since it's a longer uh, interview, there's a dominant trait, a mediator trait, and the sabotage trait. And those three create what's called the personality stress sequence. So let me give you an example. Have you ever had a, an, a, a salesperson that overly talked where they actually talked themselves out of a sale? Recently. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and, I, and I admit that I've done that a couple of times. So I see it right. from both sides. So the reason is, and again, there's just been, there's six patterns, but I'm just going to give you one of the patterns is that their dominant is the communicator. They, I call that vomiting communicating. They kind of overly talk and talk and talk and talk. You can't get an word in edgewise. And a lot of times when I talk to managers about these type of employees, they go, yeah, they, they even took uh, communication courses, things like that, and they're still doing it. And I tell them, I said, that's the last thing they need. They're great communicators. The reason why they're overly communicating is if you, if you take your hand, right, if you take two hands, level them out that are parallel to your um, the table, and you bring your right hand up and your left hand down like a seesaw, Okay, if you do that, the, the communicators are the top one. That's your dominant trait. That's your go-to. That person, when they're in a stress mode, that's their go-to. They talk and talk and talk and talk. The reason why they're overly talking is because of the, the saboteur. So if they're a director saboteur, the reason why they're overly talking because the director isn't really focused too well. They're not really prepared. They don't have a plan. So they use the communicator to openly and talk, talk, talk. If the person's a supplier saboteur, which is the person who has a hard time saying no and they overly give because they don't feel enough value, they use the communication to show value, but they overly give, pushing the person away. So when they yeah. use their antidote, then you bring your, uh, the lower hand up while the other one goes down, and now their communication skills are beautiful. And the reason why they push that person away is because they're saboteur. They were uncomfortable making the sale. So I actually yeah. have a six-step blueprint to increase sales uh, closing rates by 86.2%. And one of it is, is showing the person how their saboteur is causing the problem. But imagine knowing the inborn sabotage and trade of your potential client, knowing why they're resisting. And when you know that, 
you can now use your antidote to their antidote and help them through the process to make sure that is your product really worth, is really what they need. And if they do, what is the resistance that they have so they can go forward and use this to make their business and life better? That's really, really good stuff. And actually, that was the next thing I was going to lead into is nature's six-step blueprints. And you've shared with me very briefly how businesses can thrive in profits when they follow this. So could you develop that a little bit further? I think this is something our listeners would love to hear. Sure. I, um, it's actually the six same six steps that nature uses to come back from her storms. A lot of my stuff is goes into quantum physics and other math and everything else, but I use it for be, human behavior. And the six steps, when I really found them, that this is how nature uses to come from a, a hurricane or from a flood or whatever. It always comes up with a flower, right? <laughs> yep. it, it may take some time, but it always comes back, right? So when I realized this, I realized, oh my God, it's the exact same six steps that we have. And when we use the six steps, it actually can solve any business or personal problem guaranteed. In my book, I go through the six steps and I give different um, examples and exercises. So when you're looking at, let's say, a business and a, uh, let's say a particular customer and you're having a little resistance, you would go through and find out, wow, I'm in step three with this person. Okay, what do you do? I do this, 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 and this. Once you deal with all the exercises in three and deal with three, what's the usual question? Well, what do I do next? Go to step four. <laughs> you know, So it, it's a nice process of showing, wow, this is kind of a nice little flow. So you can be in step three with uh, a, a one client. You can be step one with another client. You can be step five with your spouse and things like that. And once you know what area and what step you're in, you'll know exactly how to handle it. So that's what the sixth step is. And then I realized, wow, these six steps actually help people close much more effectively. I have about a 95% success rate when I, when I talk with clients that I work on a one-on-one -on -one or deal with my life Zoom coaching program, group, group coaching program. Right. Because I understand where they're at. I understand their resistance and I understand what they need and present it in such a way that this is what you need. Do you want to come, go forward with it and demonstrate what it is? And they kind of, it, it's very hard for anybody to look at me and go, you don't know me. They could kind of go, wow, this is uh, drop uh, jaw dropping information that you're giving me about myself that now I understand what I need to do. And by going through those processes, it can help them. Yeah. And that right there is really good. I mean, I, that's a really good analogy too. You think about how when nature lays waste to something, what is one of the first things that happens once everything settles down is flowers start sprouting again. Mm -hmm. Trees yep. start growing again. Mm -hmm. uh, you can you can cut down a tree and if you leave the stump, the stump might come back to life. Yeah. Yeah, because everything you, you're not seeing what's going on inside down into the ground and that's what's happening within you. That's why you have all the answers within you. Everything's in you. You're the mass murderer. You're Mother Teresa. You're the ugly guy. You're the beautiful guy. You're the hateful per uh, woman. You're the uh, loving woman. Everything's within you. It's up to you what you want to tap into to show yourself in the world. So yeah. you never lose anything. Oh, I lost my confidence. No, you're just not tapping into it. See, one of the things is when people, I was just talking to this, this uh, in my uh, Zoom course last night with, uh, with my uh, clients. And I said, you know, 
if you heard this, the phrase, oh, my life is falling apart, right? And I go, yeah, but it's also falling together. It depends on what side you're looking at. Because if you have autumn in the Northern hemisphere, where everything is falling apart and detaching, what do you have in the Southern hemisphere? Spring. Yeah, allow me on this one. Here in the United States, on Labor Day, I make a point of going to social media to find everybody who types the phrase, summer is officially over. And I love this one because I say, no, summer is not officially over. It is not September 21st yet. We have not had the changing of the season. Oh, and uh, ask somebody in Australia if summer is officially over. They're at the point where they're looking forward to spring. Right. Exactly. But you, but you don't realize you have autumn and spring within you. So what is, what is happening and detaching and falling apart in your life? The other side, things are coming together. That's why when you have a problem, the this, this solution occurs at the same time. And the question is, are you are focusing on the problem or are you focusing on the solution? And when I was going through some major stuff, I would say this phrase over and over again, about a thousand times. I wonder what gift I'm getting. Or I would say, wow, I cannot wait to see what gift I'm getting. When you see this and knowing that this is a benefit from you, because how many times has something great in your life happened that really turned out to be not that great and something that was bad turned into something good? So you have always three choices. It's good, it's bad, or it just is. When you get to the point of just seeing it as just is and not being robotic, (laughs) okay, but just is, then you don't have these highs and lows in your life. You just present it going, I wonder what gift I'm getting through this and how am I evolving? This is coming in in order for me to dissolve. And one of the things I was talking about last night too is that when you're under stress, it's probably cause you didn't make a decision previously. So the universe is forcing your hand because that's where you need to go. Yeah, this is, this is all really good. And what I would pair that with, I cite this in my book, Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy. It's three words that were taught to me by my NLP mentor, Paul Ross, up until now. So let's say uh, somebody says, you know, I, I can't find a good person to be with. I keep attracting all these losers. All right. That locks you into the cycle of continuing to attract the losers. And you alluded to this earlier. People will sometimes pursue people and get into relationships with people who are not that their ideal mate, because the idea of actually finding their life partner, who's going to be the partner they need and is going to serve them best and vice versa is a frightening thing to them. So instead of saying, Oh, I keep finding all these losers. You say, up until now, those are three words, up until now, it has been the case that I have attracted and entered relationships with bad fit people. Now, I claim my learning and my skills to radiate the attractive energy and take the steps necessary to locate and form a relationship with the person with whom I can raise myself and raise them in every way. Absolutely. You know, if, if you were a client of mine and you were going through something, you're like, oh, man, I went back to my old saboteurs. And I'll go, first of all, it's only been a month or two. 
I'm expecting you to go back into protection because that's what your brain is used to. But what's happening is that that was the old Adam. The new Adam, let's focus on what the new Adam is doing. And when the people see that, that's where up to now is exactly, is that it was the old way, but now it's the new way for me to continue forward being the new end. And it's like when I was, when I was practicing and I would have, <laughs> I've had people come up to me, oh, I had a pizza, you know, you're going to kill me. Or, you know, I had cake, you're going to kill me. I'm like, I'm going to kill you. I said, how do you feel? Oh, I feel horrible for the last four days. Why do you need me to punish you even more? You got a great job. I'm glad you had that pizza. And they would look at me. What do you mean you're glad? I said, first of all, how'd you feel? I want you to remember that. But I want to know what happened before the pizza. The reason why you had the pizza, because it numbed you. It was your heroin. I want to know what happened just prior to that, because once you understand that that's your trigger, that's why the girl cuts herself or the guy cuts himself, because it's actually less painful than dealing with the situation. So when people use their saboteur and they go and do these other things, it's just a numbing because they really don't want to deal with it because it's more painful to deal with what they need to do than actually to numb it. Yeah. And another thing that occurs to me, I, see, our listeners know that when they tune into Business Creators Radio Show, what they're basically listening in on is a private mastermind session. What happens in masterminds? People go back and forth with ideas and they inspire each other and trigger each other's memories. Absolutely. So now I'm thinking of, so now I'm thinking, yeah, you're absolutely right. Now I'm thinking of, I'm going to butcher this. I'm going to butcher the actual expression, but I see it on social media all the time in memes. So I'll explain the concept is that you have people from your past. Like there may be people from my past who remember how I was when I was growing up or how I was 10 years ago or how I was 10 weeks ago. And they don't know the person I am now. So rather than be overly concerned about the impression you're going to have on you based on previous experience, I'm going to focus on the impression I make now. It's up to them whether they want to come along. Exactly. Exactly. The question is, is do they fit into, first of all, do they fit into your new realm and vice versa? I mean, I remember many times when people were in autoimmune and then, you know, they're drinking and I'm saying, you're going to stop drinking. You're going to lose friends because you, but you're going to realize they're not really friends. They're just your party goers and your true friends will emerge and it would happen. So as you change, things are going to happen. Can I give you an analogy? I don't know if we have enough time or not. Oh, we have enough time for an analogy. Yes, we do. Go for it. So this analogy I came up to help kind of, Overall, just kind of summarize what we've been talking about. So basically what happens is you're the director of your own play, right? And this old play of yours, you have actors that are out are now acting out this play. Then Agrios comes along and says, hey, here's a new play for you. And you like the play and you start using the new play. What's going to happen is some actors are going to go along with it fine. They're going to, they're going to be able to be flexible, no problem. There'll be some actors that are going to go, there's no way, and they're going to quit. And then there's going to be some actors who are just going to give you just grief about it and just give you to back and forth. And as you doing the new play, you have to realize that you got to let those people go and find new actors, but those new actors have to now make sure that they are fitting the play. 
Yeah. But here's the pro here it comes. So that's you. That's changing your life. I want to become more positive. I want to do this. I want to have my own business. So the people, the actors or the people in your life that are, who love you for who you are or support you will just be flexible with you. The people that don't want you, they'll leave. And the other ones with like your old parents and things like that, going to give you grief and you got to get to a point where you got to let that go. But here's the thing. The problem is not going to be with the actors. The problem is when you want to go back to the old play because yeah. playing the new play is more painful. And as soon as you want to go back to the old play, you need people in your life to go, no, I, we're going to help you keep accountable and go back to that play. Yeah. And that brings up a little story of my own. Uh, I remember after I finished my MBA and I started what was my side hustle, I went back and forth for almost a year and a half. Am I going to go up the corporate ladder? Am I going to become an entrepreneur? There were there was back and forth with that, uh, even though, as I mentioned earlier, I arranged my lifestyle around putting off being fully independent for an extra two years so I could get the business up and running by reinvesting my paycheck. Anyway, uh, the decision was effectively made for me on Friday, November 19th, 2004, when I had uh, an outrageously bad day at my job. It's one of those things where something happened. And at that point, I just said, okay, this is bullshit. I'm done here. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, one of my clients at the time, uh, his name's Stephen Rowles, a friend of mine to this day. He's the author of uh, several books. One of the first of which was clean is not enough. And he, I, I called him up and he told me to do one thing. He, he told me to write down the date, November 19th, 2005, and give him a call on that day. So I thinking, okay, this is crazy, but uh, this guy has had all kinds of interesting ideas that have really helped me. So I'll do this one. On November 19th, 2005, uh, I called him up and uh, he answered uh, and he and he said, oh, okay, so you're here for our appointment. So tell me about your life. And I was able to tell him that, uh, that, I, that the people who were involved in that thing that happened at work that day were no longer part of my life, that my circle of friends had changed, that I had even switched to a different cigar shop because I needed to be in a new room with a new group of people, mm -hmm. and that I had left that job and now was living in my own place, managing and running my own business. Yeah. The point that he the point that he was making is that nothing is permanent and it's your choice to evolve. It is always you see you you have you are not responsible for anyone, even your children. And when I tell the parents, they look at me like, oh, you're a horrible father. I said, no, I'm responsible to my children. I'm responsible for me only. I can only control me. If I'm responsible for my children, then I'm going to try to mold them instead of help them to unfold. And, oh, you gotta go down this, this, and this road. I got to the point where I just said to my kids, how'd that work for you? And they would look at me and I go, didn't work that well, did you? Would you like me to give you some information to make this a little bit easier for you? And sometimes they would say yes, sometimes they would say no. And as long as it didn't cost me money, it caused me heartache, then fine. But if they did, then the consequence had to be hit. So basically is, how did that work for you? And when you understanding that, it helps you to understand. And I've had people where they lost jobs. And I tell people, congratulations. Some people just want to hit me. Yeah. And I go, obviously, you weren't happy there. 
So now what a great opportunity. And there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people who've gotten great jobs. And there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people who've got horrible jobs. Which one do you want to be in? Yeah, that's good. I would want to, I would want to be somebody that has a great job. Right. And actually happened to my brother. My brother lost his job. He was really upset. And at uh-huh. the same time, they lost a tenant. And I basically said, congratulations. And really, basically, after two weeks, you know, brothers definitely wanted to hit, hit me. Right? And uh, as we started talking, as I was going through and helping him through that, within two weeks, he got a better tenant and a better job. And I went, yeah. any other questions? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great place to wrap up because unfortunately we have to. But what I'd like cool. to do is um, you mentioned uh, you seeded within our conversation a couple resources you have. So I think a great place to end up would be to turn the floor over to you one minute and just share with our listeners uh, some of the things you have for them and where they can find them. Yeah, you can go to be fit to succeed, be fit to succeed dot com. And there's a, uh, a button there. You can take the quiz. It'll take you under a minute to get your inborn sabotage and trade an antidote for free. Uh, and then there's an opportunity, depending on if you're a business owner or executive, an opportunity to uh, have a 15-minute chat with me to sit and uh, come you know, see where you are at in your life and your business and what some of the things I can do, uh, I, we can do for you. If not, I do have online courses. I have a, a new online course, course called... Um, rise above adversity. It goes through your inborn sabotage trade, but then gives you five techniques to neutralize any stress from taking a horrific event and turn it into a benefit to uh, finding the person you can't stand in your life, how they're you and many other great, great things. So there's other products and services and I do one-on-ones as well as I have uh, group coaching. So, and they can always reach out to me uh, through um, in uh, throughout the website, be happy to answer anybody. I answer emails all the time. Yeah. Uh, I'll say for our listeners one more time, the website is www.befittosucceed.com. And I will attest that uh, Philip is, very serious when he says that he will answer any of your questions. He's one of the greatest connectors I know and one of the most generous people I know. So please, 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 if there's anything that he shared with you today that you find you may want to develop further, the opportunity is there for you. So Dr. Philip Agrios, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me, an education. Oh, well, thank you so much, Adam, for the opportunity. It is too, was an honor to be on your show. And thank you so much for this opportunity and all the best to everybody out there. Everybody be safe. All right. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time. Have a great day. Take care.